Hello from Austin, and welcome to episode 230 of the National Security Law Podcast. We're brought to you by the Strauss Center at the University of Texas. It's Tuesday morning, January 17th, 2023. I'm Bobby Chesney. I'm Steve Loddick. Bobby, it's been 3,997 days, but the New York Giants won a playoff game. <laughs> and, and to match that feat, the Cowboys won a road playoff game. Yeah, the Cowboys, Malboys. Yeah, but how, how often do teams do it by... Uh, missing all their extra points. Uh, poor Brett Maher. Oh you my know. goodness. Um, I don't know. I, I feel. Like, I feel like he got it out of his system, and now he's going to be like clutch for the rest of the playoffs. Is that how it works? We'll see. We'll find out next I week. I saw Jerry Jones tweeted during the game, or maybe right afterwards. Like, does anyone in this stadium know how to kick field goals? Oof. We have a uniform. Oof. That, it's not a good sign. When your owner is 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 trolling you in the middle of the game. Yeah, that's bad. But uh, three of the four final teams in the NFC are from the NFC East. Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, I guess you get you and your Giants get the Eagles. Oh, yes, and, and the Cowboys get the 49ers. So I think I think our celebrating days are just about done. Yeah. Although I will say I, I I will just say one thing, and then I will stop talking about sports ball. But the one thing I will say is the team that showed up um, in Minneapolis on Saturday did not look like. The team I had watched all season, like they had an offense. You know, the, the Vikings have had that effect on a number of visiting teams. Yes, although the Giants lost in Minneapolis, you Did know, they? like a month ago oh, on a sixty on a walk off sixty one yard field goal. Speaking of kickers, um, so so if this is for real, maybe we have. I mean, and you know, divisional rival, hard to beat a yeah, team three times in the season. All those cliches. But let's be real. Saturday night, I will be, you know, wallowing in misery round about halftime, I suspect. Well, maybe some national security law talk will cheer you up. Nope. Not likely. Uh, we've got some good topics no, oh, for oh, today. Oh, yes, let's talk about the rich, nuanced discourse surrounding the Biden classified documents problem. <laughs> because <laughs> that really, that the, the elevated level of debate has really impressed me on that topic. I, I, I'm sure knowing that you are one to spend some time in social media land, I bet the discourse course has been really elevated. I, I have actually, I will just say, I have, I have, and I'm, I'm, I have been criticized for this already. I have, I have not been engaged on social media on this stuff because it's just too stupid. So you're in trouble for not engaging. Yeah, so now I'm being, cri- now I'm being criticized for not having similar takes in reaction to the Biden controversy that I had in response to, you know, the multiple criminal oh, thought, acts of former President I thought President you Trump. meant you were being criticized for not picking up the cudgels and, and, and getting out there to take up the issue, but it's the opposite. Well, no, I, I mean, I, I'm being criticized for sort of just not digging in at all. Well, it's a good thing that we're going to give an opportunity to hear for our listeners to hear what we think about. Yes, because the people the, who uh, listen to our podcast are the are the are the are my Twitter trolls. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I suspect some are. Um, you never know. Uh, yeah, feel true. free to identify yourself to us. Is like, yeah, hi, I'm one of your t- Twitter hi, trolls. I'm, Love I'm, the show. I'm John four seven five nine six three. I actually, I got. It's funny. I got the. You know, I got lots of fan ma- fan okay. mail, um, but I got my first one yesterday from a Substack subscriber. Oh, is so trolling has entered the world. No, fa- you mean like sarcastic fans? Yes, not yes, real yes. Fan, yeah. I'm not no, no, like yeah. like, like uh, so trolling is a thing in Substack land too, or is it just cross media? They reach out to you on Twitter to say, "I read I, no, your Substack. I hate one." First. No, no, I mean she. He he literally forwarded me the email from Substack with with yesterday's edition of the yeah. newsletter. You're like. But so you're a subscriber is what you're saying. <laughs> uh, what did he say? This, uh, uh, please do the world a favor and throw yourself into a tree shredder. Ooh, ouch. The world uh, will be a capital, much uncapital, better place without your dumb ASS. 
Is, did, I, did I hear a space between dumb and ASS? Yeah, so dumb ass was, was two words, but at least he spelled your correctly. Well, you know, maybe, maybe he meant like, I'm trying not to be like just the pejorative term dumb ass. I'm trying to, you know, say, I'm trying to characterize your mm. rear. That's what's going on there. Oh, my, ah, so my posterior is yeah, in fact like, not intelligent. Yes, exactly. It's, mm. it's nuanced. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> well, so we'll do some nu- nuanced discussion of, of this classified documents business. Uh, other topics we're going to hit today. Um, we have an interesting occasion to get into the Arms Export Control Act because the administration would like to sell F-16s to Turkey and F-35s to Greece, and not everyone in Congress is super psyched about it. So we'll get into the sort of separation of powers Z questions of who has what authorities there and what's going on under the heading of uh, foreign military sales. Uh, it's it's a Gitmoversary, it 21st is a Gitmoversary. Gitmo can drink. Oh, Gitmo's old enough to drink. Yes. Okay. So it's the 21st anniversary of Guantanamo. We'll touch base there. Yep. Um, we, the, we, we will not, despite the fact that this is episode 230, we will not talk about section 230. Yeah, I feel like we, we kind of dropped the ball on that. We should have ginned up some section 230 content. So so there actually we actually have good section 230 content coming down the pike. Um, the Supreme True. Court next month is set to hear a pair of pretty big cases about Section 230 called uh, Gonzalez versus Google and Twitter versus Tomina. Um, and actually, uh, there's also residual and even more heartland for us questions in those cases about the scope of the Anti-Terrorism Act um, and civil liability they're under. So we, that, yeah, we'll that's definitely coming. be diving deep on that. So just to flesh that out a bit, there's this question for civil liability for providing material support uh, to terrorism is, is a topic that we don't pay a lot of attention to on the show, but it's it's a thing that comes up in litigation very often. I think you and I both throughout our careers have had some amount of, of engagement with the old Anti-Terrorism Act. I, I'm, I'm, Bobby's, I'm holding up the draft amicus brief that we're filing, that I'm filing tomorrow in the that. Twitter case. We'll see what's um, going on here. Let me, so let me we'll, review it for you guys, folks. Uh, this is, this is, the, the cover looks good. Very exciting. Oh. Uh, yeah, so the question is, does, uh, you know, if you otherwise have a claim against uh, an online entity uh, like a Twitter or a Google uh, for something that they have allowed to or facilitated being posted on their system, um, does Section 230 stand in the way of that as it, as it normally does and would? Yep. Um, so, yeah, look look at us. We've got Section 230 content after all. It just won't be episode 230. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Maybe 231. Episode 230, the one with no Section 230 content. I'm just saying, episode 230, the Section 230 content is coming. Yeah. Okay, write that down. <laughs> uh, we'll have a little bit of National Security Division Roundup. In particular, we'll note an interesting case involving uh, the uh, the harassment of, of a Chinese student by another Chinese student at the Berkeley College of Music, all relating to uh, the speech of Chinese persons in the United States who are trying to speak up from, you know, within the United States about freedom and democracy issues and what goes on, uh, what some of those students sometimes face, what some of those individuals, not all students, sometimes face. Um, I don't know how much of a Supreme Court roundup we'll have. Steve, we have sounds of silence emanating from the Supreme Court. What's going on? I, your guess is as good as mine. This is, this is the longest the court has ever gone since it started uh, having its term begin in October, which I think was in 1917. No opinions. Um, without any opinions. I mean, it has been it has been a day. It's 
been a while. It's been a while. Uh, also, the you know the we've talked briefly before about um, my pending petition and Steve Donziger's appeal of his criminal contempt conviction. That was supposed to be discussed at last Friday's conference. It was rescheduled. Um, so interesting times. Well, let's, let's start here. As long as we're on Supreme Court roundup, Ooh. we'll we'll start here. Uh, do you do you draw any inferences normally from a relisting? So not relisted, rescheduled. Sorry, yeah, sorry. No, no. My, this is this yeah. is nerdy inside. No, it's an important baseball. distinction. That was just a fumble on my part. Um, so relisting is what the court usually does when it's like talked about a case at conference and then hasn't uh, decided what to do with it yet. Uh, since 2013, um, almost every single case the court grants is relisted at least once. Um, so a relist is usually a really good sign um, if you're looking for a yeah. grant. So you were you were hoping for a little relisting action. I was hoping However. for a relist, but even but, but that wouldn't have happened till today. Um, whereas last Tuesday or Wednesday we got the reschedule. Now reschedule can mean any one of like five different things. Um, cases are rescheduled sometimes because there are issues in them that a justice wants more time to look at before the conference. Um, cases can be rescheduled, as happened with the other big pending social media cases, the ones about Texas and Florida's content moderation laws, so that they're all considered at the same conference. Um, so the Florida cases, for example, were, were ahead of the Texas cases, and now they're all being considered this Friday. Um, my best guess is it's some combination of there are tricky procedural issues in our case that we have tried to argue aren't obstacles that the government tried to make into obstacles. And so it's possible that the court has to run those down. And or um, last Friday's conference, the court had like 15 relists from the prior conference, and it actually ended up granting eight cases out of last Friday. So it's possible that like they kicked it because they just knew they weren't going to have time. Yep. Um, either way, I mean, I don't know that it's a sign that we're in a good place for a grant. I think it is a sign that someone's paying attention. It is certainly the case it's not entirely ignored because yes. they said the words, <laughs> right. and there's that. <laughs> right. you got so, that going someone right paid now. enough attention to it to reschedule it, which you know, <laughs> I guess I guess for the moment is better than than deadlifting yeah, hey, it. You're still in the game, <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. You're saying there's a chance. That's um, exactly it. Anyway, but so so what that means the the real reason why this matters and it's, it's not that big a deal to anyone except, I think, the lawyers involved. Um, so last week was probably the deadline for granting a case and hearing it this term without expediting it. And so, you know, the grants from this point on are probably going to be for the fall, not the spring. Yeah. Not a big deal, just a, a weird procedural uh, inflection still in the point. game. All right, Supreme Court roundup. Uh, anything else from the Supreme Court? Um, Oh, there's the weird story that the Wall Street Journal had on Friday about yeah. the about the, the leak sort investigation. Of story, non-story. Like we're definitely getting closer to the end of the investigation. But, yes, and there's uh, a really cryptic reference. So the the story was about sort of progress on the leak investigation. Yeah, yeah this is about the the uh, the leak of Alita's draft opinion in Dobbs. Yes, and. The only thing to me that was really weird, so so one of the things I loved about the story was the part where like we went around asking people, "Did you do it?" <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, no. It's like in Good Morning Vietnam, you know. How do you know when you found the enemy? Well, I walk up to them and say, "Are you my enemy?" And if they say yes, I shoot them. Um, <laughs> so, have you watched Good Morning Vietnam anytime in recent years? I, I should go up? back. I, I don't know. It's 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 probably cringy a little bit. I wonder. Yeah. That's what I was wondering yeah. and thinking about that. A little cringy. Yeah. Um, Anyway, but so Although I do you love the work of Robin Williams. I mean, that's the thing. Um, to make a long story that, short. By the way, a future frivolity category. Best Robin Williams films. Goodwill Hunting. 
Well, we'll talk about it at the end of this episode, won't we? I mean... All right, we'll come back to that. Now we have a frivolity topic. Goodwill Hunting, what's next? Um, so, so just really quickly, I, the thing about the story that actually has one little piece of national security law salience is there is a cryptic reference in the story to, quote, outside investigators, unquote. And, you know, I think there's real puzzlement about what, who exactly like how far those, outside how are far, talking right, about? Right. So are we talking about the U.S. Marshals who are right. sort of outside but right. sort of not outside? Parole Associates been brought in right. on this? Or are we like, talking about the FBI, this? which would be a remark. And that would be, yeah, be real, that would be newsworthy. Like well, if it's the, all serious, but that would be very interesting. Even though I'm still not clear what the crime that the FBI would be investigating in that case is. But... Yeah, one wonders. Anyway, so, so... So it's probably not. It's probably U.S. Marshals. I think so. I mean... I, well, but or but could they retain somebody? Could you not retain a firm to do an internal investigation? I mean, you, a could, la, you could... Kind of a corporate white-collar internal... You could, but why would you? Like, I mean, the yeah. if you if your whole point is that, like, we can we can take care of ourselves, right? I mean, the Marshals to me... So so the Marshals are weird because the Marshals are technically in Article 2, right? They're part of the Department of Justice. Yeah. But when the justices are outside of the building... Right, their security is primarily up to the marshals, not the Supreme Court police, um, and so it's possible that there's a case for doing the marshals, but not the FBI. Right, like yeah. the marshals are closer to the court than the FBI is, but it's odd to me that the story wasn't more specific about who the outside investigators were. Yeah, it's interesting because when you think about, I, I don't know enough about the marshals to understand the internal divisions, but I can imagine that the portion of the marshals that deals with Supreme Court security maybe isn't as capable as certain other portions of the marshals to do the sort of, it really is an internal investigation. It's like a white collar criminal investigation in a corporate setting. And I can well imagine that somebody at some point says like, hey, we have an authority here. We can retain somebody who's a professional at this because it's really about employment consequences most likely. Yep. So I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out one day it's like, oh, it turned out that so-and-so familiar name law firm from D.C. Right. was brought in to do, basically K&L do, Gates. Yeah, just to do it an endless series of interviews and to try to pin the rose on somebody. Although, although I will just say, I mean, to that end, right, all of the all of the people who clerk last term are no longer at the court. Right. So, yeah, we'll but see. there's still. I mean, it'll I be know. it'll I be know. a bad day if and yeah. when somebody is named here. That's is true. It'll that person will be lionized by some people and demonized by others, and no one right now has any idea which will be which. Um, my my money for this worth is still on us never actually finding out who the leaker was. Yeah, yeah. In a way, it's almost everyone's a little bit better off under conditions of uncertainty, and maybe not. Finding out, like if I'm Chief Justice Roberts, maybe I'm not in a hurry to get to the bottom. We just couldn't couldn't crack this puzzle. (laughs) Couldn't we tried? We tried. You know, I just I just it just I couldn't do it. It just I could could, I couldn't do it. All right, all right. So um, why don't we talk about the classified documents? Let's pivot over Ah, to to document garage gate, garage garage, or is it house gate, or is it or is it the uh, policy dude? So I think we should begin with the lead. Don't bury the lead. Yes, the lead is that there are separate lines of potential concern in the abstract under the general heading of former presidents and right. documents they may have kept that they shouldn't Mishandling. be Mishandling. Right. Um, one line that's common between them is, is it possible that you have perhaps, including other former presidents, uh, a degree of sloppiness in which, whether it's Mar-a-Lago, uh, Delaware, Dallas, Little Rock, yes. uh, Chicago, all these places, is it, is it not likely that there are some documents that, oh, no, that shouldn't be there? I suspect that's the case. Do I think it's a big deal? I do think it's, it's, a, it's a deal that's worth 
exploring this this whole thing. Hopefully, will be a wake up call to be more rigorous with yes. ensuring the stuff that belongs to the National Archive. Yes, it's at the National Archive. Yes. And this is all taken care of. So I think I think it's a reasonably serious issue that is common across the cases. Although while, while we're talking about reasonably serious issues that are common across the cases, can I add? There's also the scourge of overclassification. Like I like yeah can yeah. We, yeah. That's can we that, at least once again have the conversation about how part of what's happening here is at least in some well, that's cases? That's an interesting question. I, it's easy to imagine that if, for for Trump, for Biden, for Bush, Clinton, Obama, for uh, for Carter that. There's any number of documents, at, especially like just at the mere secret level, as opposed to top secret, as opposed to SCI, et cetera, keyword protected. Um, it's easy to imagine that there are documents like, look, this is just dumb. Like that doesn't need to be classified still or ever, perhaps. But we don't know. It could be also the case that the hand, relative handful of documents that presidents are ending up with in these locations uh, we certainly have reason to, to to believe because of the significance of the classification levels for the Maro, some of the Mar-a-Lago documents, although it's not true apparently so far for the Biden documents. But certainly some of these sound very weighty and aren't in that sort of category of, gosh, why is that even classified, right? Because you have some stuff that's at the uh, secret compartmentalized information level. Yep. Uh, all that said, so there's this one general question of um, perhaps not that surprising general sloppiness with former presidents and the volumes of records they keep. Then there's the question, which is a different one, and here's where you get to the huge difference, I think, between the Trump scenario as we know it so far and the Biden scenario as we know it so far. Once somebody realizes this is happening, is there any effort to defeat the efforts of the National Archives to reclaim the people's papers? In Mar-a-Lago, clearly so. Yes. Someone, we, we've talked about this, someone lied to the FBI about the documents that were still in foreign President Trump's possession. All right. So, so you have, for, even before we get to, to, to falsehoods, we just have the attempt to say, no, 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 yes. I get to keep these. These That's are right. mine. Screw you. These, right. are, these are, I get these forever. There's right. that whole right. question. Step one, you have things you shouldn't have. Right. right. Step two, right, ought to be, oh, yeah. okay, here they are. Right. Do you, do you cooperate and give them back? Um, many people online have been trying to come up with the precise sort of line between mistakes accidentally walking out of the store with some, you know, things in your bag you didn't pay for versus shoplifting. Um, and it's kind of funny to watch all the parsing going on there. But the general idea that there's an obvious moral difference and, and also a legal difference in light of some of the statutes in play here between whether you whether you accept that, oh, yikes, my bad, so sorry, right. versus uh, absolutely not, I'm keeping these. Right. And then there's the, there's then the question of three, honesty. Four, five, then six, then, then you get into the realm of obstruction of justice right. and so forth. Right. Um, so there's the common layer that I suspect, don't know it, but yeah. you know, wouldn't be surprised at all to find yeah. out, oh, we're down in, down in Georgia, we're in Dallas, we're in Chicago, we're in Arkansas, and we're finding all the former presidents somewhere in their documents you can find some stuff. Wouldn't be surprised at all. Nor I. And, yeah. and, and that's and, not a good thing. And, that, and by the way, I'm not saying correct. like, so therefore none of it matters. No, well, but this is the problem, right? Which is that like three different things could be true, right? One, it could be a general problem that we should all be invested in fixing that former presidents have routinely been, you know, not exactly precise in returning documents to the National Archives. Presidents, and, and in this and case, And we should say vice the teams around them. And the teams around them. Because in many of these cases, Correct. if not most, the president or vice president, the principal is not actually right. in firsthand aware right. of the particulars so, at so, all. So step one, just carelessness, right? Yeah. That that we ought to be stricter about. But part of that is also what, faci- what, what I think in what 
compounds the carelessness is overclassification, right? That like, you know, if we had clearer, stricter regimens for what is and what isn't classified, it might not be as sort perhaps the incidence of carelessness would be reduced. So I, I don't disagree at all that we have overclassification. I think I think it's very clear. Um, Does anyone? But I suspect that this scenario, the presidential yeah. document retention yeah. one, m- might not be the one where that problem is most. Is uh, no, it's mo- yeah. uh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Step two, right? So, 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 thing number one that can be true, right? Like everyone, you know, thing one. Too many things are too many people are careless. So there's okay? thing one. Thing okay. two. All right. Thing two, right? The right response to carelessness in the moment it's discovered is immediate compliance. Yeah. Right, and there is zero indication, even from the most unsympathetic accounts of how the Biden administration has, let's just say, bungled this, that there has been anything other than voluntary, immediate compliance. That when any question has arisen about, you know, other documents, they've immediately told the relevant agencies. Right? They've, yeah. they've, they've, you know, there's been no attempt to pr- to keep a hold on him. Right. right. Versus so no thing two problem. There's right. a thing one problem that's yes. common. Not a thing yes. two problem. But this is clearly a thing one problem. I will also add it's also a really stupid PR problem because the way they've handled this from a communications perspective is abysmal. But oh, that's yeah. Yeah, but yeah. that that's 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 not a legal problem. That's just a dumb politics it, problem. It, yeah. Well, it, it could be a big politics problem I mean, it, because it really it it creates very poor conditions for proceeding. It, it'll impact the Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, but matter. yeah, but co- in ways I mean, that it shouldn't. Do but you think? Do you think? I mean, if the Biden administration had gotten this exactly right from the get-go, hey guys, we you know. We just want to say that that through no fault of anybody's, a tranche of documents was uncovered that shouldn't have been there. We immediately, like, you don't think they would have been hammered exactly the same by the exact same people with the exact same false I think, equivalencies? I think the, so I think it's worse because of the slow trickle out than it would have been if they had had a smarter Cleaner, rip the bandaid off approach. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, and I'm not, by the way, I'm not claiming that I would have known better how to handle this. I'm sure no, no. it was a total nightmare yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of figuring out how to roll I, I this just, out. I just, I just, I just have no faith that the members of Congress and the right wing media who are, you know, saying this is worse than what Trump did wouldn't have said the same thing even if it had been handled better. Well, it's obviously not worse. And so, I mean, because again, we got a common thing one problem for both of them. But one of them has a thing two problem. Well, the a thing two problem not. and a thing three problem. But so we can and thing three. If I'm tracking right, thing right. three is the uh, the honesty yes. with which so, you so, present the thing two. So, if so you're making thing two objections. There's a way to do that that may be bad legal arguments, but there's a way to try it and be transparent and clear about it. Yes. But then there's claiming we don't have any documents. Okay, we've got the documents, but but we declassified them. But we declassified right. Them. So 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 I want to. I mean, I think it is worth stressing, like. But you and I agree thing one is a problem. Yep. Right? You and I agree thing two and thing three are – well. Let, let, so thing two is not immediate amelioration, right? Sort of – I would put a finer point out. I would, yeah. I would say thing two is – if it's to be a problem, yes. th- there's a version of being in Trump's situation. Let's yes. assume for the sake of argument you have a certain set of arguments that are sort of maximalist f- power to former presidents, and you believe them and you want to assert them. There's a way – of trying to assert them yes. that that's, does, that's above board. Right, that's above board. Yes. Uh, and actually, I think it gets kind of down into the weeds. Like, well, you know, is that not what they did? Or is, is thing two and thing three, thing three being the dissembling in line yeah. about what's going yeah. on or withholding information, do they mix together in no, a way? No, they're separate to me. They're so, separate issues. So, so thing two is, right, like not immediately either – 
returning everything or full-throated articulation of, of, of why you don't believe you have to, right? right. So, so thing two is before there's been a demand, right? And then thing three is when the government comes to you with a grand jury subpoena right. and says, we want the documents you say you don't have, but we know you have, and you continue to stonewall and obfuscate yeah. and yeah. obstruct, requiring the government to go search your house right. for the stuff you were supposed to, you were legally obliged to turn over. Which then, so you force the government to take that step. Yes. And then you weaponize that step yes. as, a, as a political matter by describing it as an abuse of justice, making it sound like some yes. sort of authoritarian deal when it was a step you compelled them to take. Through your behavior, right? At, at, at thing two. Yeah. So, so I, listen, I think the Biden administration has been, has really not handled this well. I think President Biden can and should be criticized for carelessness in his team's handling of information that he lawfully had access to while he was vice president, right? No, no one disputes that he had proper access to it, right? Well, under the Obama EO, he was an authority, right? So, yeah. but, right? The, the the sort of the malum in say of things two and especially three are so much objectively worse, right, than thing one that it just like it is such a sign of where we are that like we are apparently incapable as a polity of seeing the distinctions between those things. I think most people get it. Most when, people? I think that when you when you don't, Our listeners. don't don't judge by social media, but yeah. I think most people if you sat down with most people and kind of walked all through this, I think most people get it. Um, it's just that what what's out there in social media and regular media, for that matter, yeah. isn't most people. Well, also, at least I sure hope. But even I think even the mainstream media bungled this. Like I, I think there were a too, way too many attempts to like you know to sort of apples to apples this with, with Trump. Yeah. When I you know I don't remember who said this online, but like the better comparison is Hillary's emails, right? Like I mean, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> But then the media, but but the oh, media's response has looked a lot like the yeah. media's response. To well, you know, it's, it's funny, and you know, I think the media we we need to criticize when it's warranted on these national security law uh, representation matters. And last time we talked, there's there continues to be this bizarre insistence. I've heard it multiple times since we last recorded just two weeks ago. Uh, by the way, um, <laughs> that, that George Santos and his fraud, which oh was God. connected directly to fundraising, somehow can't be criminal. I keep hearing that talking point that this is really unfortunate, but you know there's lying in politics and this this is an extreme one, but it you know, doesn't, doesn't make it criminal. Well, the lying in politics doesn't make it criminal, but lying in fundraising, lying in fundraising well, can, can be can, criminal. Can I put this a little more, a little more abstractly or yeah. a little more con sorry, concretely, right? Like, you and I could sit here right now and lie about something, right? I could say, you know, why? Yes, I did have, you know, vegetables you enjoy for that breakfast. committee service on I, these. Oh, I, I, I love, I love my time on the appointments committee. You do love your time on the appointments committee. That's a bad example. I love some of my time on the appointments committee. Um, <laughs> right now, if I went before a federal grand jury and lied, or a, or a, if I went, if I swore an oath, right, in a legal proceeding and lied. Those are not the same thing. You know, yes, they're both lies. One of them is a lie in a context in which the law says you're not allowed to lie, and one of them is not. Like, why can't we tell the difference? Yeah, I mean, it's just, I think it's even more straightforward than that. If you lied, if you're lying about your identity, your job, 
your employment history, and you're doing it in communications transmitted over the wires. In order to d- develop, to, 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 to acquire to, a thing of value. Yes. I don't know. It just doesn't seem that hard. Seems like there's a statue that says yeah. something like about that. Well, I think that's the story. I think there's, we remain, we're going to have more George Santos stories. But, in the but future, I will say, no I mean, I, I think it's also revealing that you and I had the exact same reaction to the Biden story, right? Which is like, the, yes, bad behavior at step one, right? Like, yeah. you know, um, that we, that just right. has to be said, right? But let's be clear about the different. The, what's different about this bad behavior from Trump's right. bad behavior? Isn't it, isn't it as simple as this? Um, that there is a big difference between a situation in which someone realizes mistakenly they've held on to something they shouldn't. Which, by the way, you know, could we could we have evidence emerge that actually it wasn't mistaken? It was quite willful. Yeah, absolutely. And then in that case. That's a big deal. Yep. And by the way, part of what's so aggravating about all this is sort of the double standard element where, well, it's different if it's the former president, whereas low-ranking government employees who, you right. know, people, no, no. Get, Lose their people get their their careers yes. wrecked over this sort yes. of thing. So there is that. And that's a, that's a step one issue. Um, but right now what, it, what we've got before us is what seems to be the sort of the accidental uh, – keeping of documents and the discovery of them followed immediately like oh shoot sorry we're not supposed to have this here you go back you'd like them back here they are right versus like screw you we're not giving it to you and i'm not going to no, no, cooperate no, no. And we don't have admit we don't have them we don't have right. them right. if we have them they're not yeah. they're not Here's yours some, but we right. don't have others okay we have others but there's one by the way i left out one more distinction because i don't even want to go down this rabbit hole but it is a, a yet another distinction between situation one situation two hmm. um trump is not the president right now oh well right okay so this biden is, is. So this is so this is a good rabbit hole to go down. As I understand it, the documents that are causing problems for Biden now are not current documents. These are holdover documents Correct. from the period in which he he was similarly right. situated and to so, Trump. And as so a and so he was not entitled vice president. Right. So he was not entitled to retain them between 2017 and 2021. But unlike President Trump, if he wants to point at them right now and say I'm declassifying them. He has the authority to do that. Would that matter retrospectively? It assume for the yes. sake of argument, it yes. was criminal conduct. So the Espionage Act refers to willful retention, because right. what triggered this for me is when you said the word willful. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, if it's if he really didn't know he had them, and if the moment he finds out he has them, he declassifies them, he's not willfully retaining. Right. Hypothetically, if he didn't, if he knew, if let's say it was sort of like a, oh god, these are some hot documents. And by the way, no one's claiming, <laughs> no one's claiming these were hot documents. But imagine that they were declassifying them now by by virtue of the fact that he has become president. Right. Doesn't obviate. Doesn't that. obviate I, the prior mistake. No, um, but I but I, so I but I don't think it, I think that's a just a hypothetical. I don't think it's going to turn out like oh these are the documents that I agree. It's, just, so it's just yet another way in which his situation is different from Trump's. I, I think it's complicated. I think I think it actually is accurate to describe this as a previously at at the moment in time when we do the legal assessment. Yeah. That retrospective analysis, I think it's similar in that respect. Um, however, there's a big complication in that let's say let's say you actually big developments in both cases where it becomes just scream even more screamingly obvious in one case and becomes obvious in the other case that you could charge these and someone decides to charge them. One person's a sitting president and DOJ doesn't think you can charge a sitting right. president. True, uh, but DOJ does think or the the policy of the office has been you could theoretically a charge president. a prior president. Yep. Yeah. Well, interesting. Okay, I think we've gone down the rabbit hole far enough on the classified documents. Can we pivot over to the Arms Export Control Act? AICA. AICA. Oh, I like that. How do we, we got to say that a little different. That sounded too much like AIPA. AICA. AICA. 
Kind of a kind of a lilt at the end. Or, or, is, it, or is it like the the old Greek A E Yika Aika? Ye- I don't know. Yika. Yika. If, if this doesn't get everyone turning off their podcast, <laughs> I don't know what will. All right, the Arms Export Control Act. Um, obvi- let's sum it up this way. Um, military items, by and large, uh, cannot be exported without a license. We have a vast and complicated statutory and regulatory machinery to manage all of this. One constantly recurring scenario, because we do sell American-made arms abroad, like F-16s and F-35s, one way this goes down is the so-called foreign military sale, as opposed to a direct commercial sale. And the basic idea is that if the uh, current administration uh, intends to authorize a a foreign military sale of certain military items uh, to a foreign country, the statute requires, and here it's kind of like the War Powers Resolution a little bit, you have to give a formal notification. I think it's to for, Senate, uh, Senate and House, the Foreign Relations Committees and the Armed Services Committees. In any event, Congress gets a formal notification. And then prior to that, there are also practices that are well entrenched and have ossified to some extent into the form of, I don't think they're in the regulations. I think they're just a, considered a hard form of custom informal preliminary negotiations. So you have this tier of steps that begin with the relatively informal notice, then the the final formal notification. The formal notification then triggers a period that has certain consequences that make it easy to bring to the floor, uh, if any member of Congress wants to, a joint resolution of disapproval. And if both houses pass that joint resolution, it does not end the story because under INS Vichada, that is not a lawmaking act. You got to actually get the president's signature or override the veto. But in theory, if you either, well, the president presumably would always veto unless there's been an intervening change of administrations. Uh, if you can override the veto, then a two thirds majority of both houses could forbid the sale. So I believe, Steve, that's never happened. Uh, the most recent attempt, uh, President Trump vetoed a joint resolution of disapproval regarding something like, I think it was like 22 separate foreign military sales to various uh, Gulf entities. Uh, Congress you know, did get through the joint resolution, but Trump vetoed it and they could not muster two-thirds majorities. So those sales continued, which raises the question, is this all a bunch of theater that actually has no teeth in it except in the rare case where there's overwhelming bipartisan congressional disapproval, yet a, a, a different view in the White House. Um, I don't think it's totally theater because the tradition has been that um, the real leverage comes from an informal hold that a member of Congress, especially a senator, might uh, insist upon at the informal notification stage before it gets to the joint resolution. And here we have, uh, oh, oh, what's his face, uh, uh, Senator Menendez, Mm. uh, declaring that he is opposed to the uh, sale of the F-16s to Turkey, to to the Erdogan regime. And and I get that. There's a lot of reasons to be uncomfortable there. The Biden administration would like the sale to go through. One of the many issues, there are human rights issues, there are democracy issues, there's the whole uh, transformation of Turkey um, in, in a direction that's been unwelcome to U.S. foreign policy for quite a while. And then there's the question of Turkish opposition to the accession into NATO of Sweden and Finland, which is a really big deal. Um, one 
assumes, and I don't claim to have any special expertise here, but presumably there's, they're not going to actually go through with this deal if Turkey doesn't give way on this. Um, in any event, the, the Biden administration's been pushing forward with the notification process. I think that in this case, uh, Menendez may attempt a hold, but I think they're going to override it and do it anyways if what's going on is this is how you get Finland and Sweden mm-hmm. into NATO. And I guess the point for our show's purposes is just understand, like, that whole, that's custom. That's custom. The administration doesn't have to honor that. Right. They can blow past it if they yes. want to. Um, I'll just note, too, that in the meantime, they're also selling F-35s right. to Greece. Right. Details. And so if you do something for the Turks, you got to do something for Greece. <laughs> and since Turkey has bought a bunch of Russian air defense <laughs> mechanisms, we no longer sell them. They're no longer eligible to get the same toys that the Greeks can get. That's nobody's business but the Turks, Bobby. That's <laughs> Is that a line from Istanbul, not Constantinople? Uh-huh. Oh, man, that's a deep cut. Why did Constantinople get the works? That's nobody's, nobody's business but the Turks. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they might be giants, right? Yes. Yeah, I know we talked about this before. And the fact that they, I guess those guys had kids, and yes. then they've done the theme songs yes. for things like, I think Higley Town yes, Heroes yes, is yes, them. Yes. Yes. All right. Um, I also, the, the, the other pop culture reference that was going through my head while we were talking about Sweden and Finland is in Die Hard. The original one, yeah. where the where the terrible TV commentary is like, yeah. that's Helsinki, Sweden, and I was like, <laughs> Finland. <laughs> that that actor is the same guy that's in Real Genius, I believe, as the is it? as the huh. DoD contract uh, scientist who's trying to manipulate the students into helping with his space laser mirror, which is pretty funny. <laughs> By the way, if you've not seen Real Genius, I have not. I have not. I gotta get on that. Wait, you've never seen Real Genius? I've never seen Real Genius. Oh my god, I'm deprived. Okay. Um, but you, friends, hey, you would friends, never, you friends, would never listen to Weird Al's. You know, I think I'm, uh, the song is just six words long. I think re- Missing Real Genius outranks that in the pantheon of the 80s errors. Yeah, friends, probably. if you agree that Steve needs to see Real Genius. And the the, the, um, the Real Genius, by the way, is referring to the awesomeness of Val Kilmer um, and, and perhaps also the strategic deployment of Brian Adams songs in that movie. Okay, Guantanamo, 21 years old as of a couple of weeks ago or so. Steve, any reflections or comments on the continuation of Guantanamo into its 21st year? Um, just how little attention it got from anybody. No one cares anymore. Right. Um, and yet there are still 35 people there, right? 21 of whom have been cleared for transfer. I mean, there's not there's nothing new to say other than just that I think it's a mistake to not say anything. There's, there's truly not. Yeah, that's well said. Well, I'll leave it there. Nothing new to say, but should be noted. Yes. Okay. Um, little note, as I promised, at the Berkeley College of Music. Boston. Amazingly, but not surprisingly, because this sort of thing, I think, actually happens all around the country increasingly often. It's very disturbing. A uh, student there had put up posters that uh, were pro-democracy, pro-freedom for China uh, flyers around campus. Another student who's now under arrest and has been indicted um, used various means to issue threats to that student. I'll quote one that was either an email, a WeChat message, or an Instagram uh, message. Uh, Post more, I will chop your bastard hands off. Um, He also reached out and communicated to to the victim student that he had been in contact with uh, Chinese security services back home, that they were going after the person's family or otherwise engaging the person's family. there was an effort to sort of dox the person, spreading their email address, encouraging other people to to vilify uh, this person. So really ugly stuff. And it just falls under the general heading, which has been much in the news lately, 
of, of efforts, some of which, but presumably certainly not all of which, um, are sort of top-down top initiatives of the uh, CCP authorities to try to extend um, the, the censorship and the intimidation and the coercion of anyone who dares to speak their mind outside of Chinese borders, including right here in the United States, I think it's um, very, very good that the administration seems to be really focusing on this, and DOJ in particular seems to be going after both uh, actual formal agents of the Chinese government who are doing these sorts of things, such as Operation Fox Hunt uh, here in the United States. And also, I don't know if this is a case where this person was acting on their own or not, but it's, it's not okay to do what they did. Um, all right, Steve, you got anything else? Probably. Uh, we, so we had I'll, I'll, just a marker that we had said that we were going to talk about the January 6th report, and I think we're still not ready to do it. Um, but in the interim, Joe Lepore had a fantastic piece in The New Yorker about what's missing from the January 6th report. And mm, I, would, I didn't see that. What sort um, of give me the, just like sort of how the like the focus on Trump distracts from like broader pathologies and broader reforms and other sort of, you know, how to avoid this from happening again versus how to build a case that Trump is bad. Right. That's very interesting because I feel like you could level that same charge more in some ways, more generally to the entire first two years. Agreed. Um, we've talked about this before. Yes. That I think in the run-up to the uh, Biden administration, it was widely assumed that there would be some systematic— like a ton of energy behind— Yeah, like, including just, just under the general heading, yep. leave, leave Trump as such out of it. Just yep. what are a bunch of lesson learned, lessons learned about things that right. maybe people thought didn't need a law— because, of course, no one would ever do right. or say a certain uh, thing. Vacancies reform, the Insurrection Act, right? I mean, like the the National Emergencies Act, right? Like, you know, reigning in some of the sort of Trumpy abuses as opposed to Trump. And there was a ton of energy behind this, and then it all went away. And I, I there's— Why is that? Oh, no so votes in it? This is a longer conversation another time. I, I think— Good government doesn't garner votes. Good government isn't popular. I think the Democrats had such a razor-thin majority in the Senate that it was hard to get anything to move, even stuff on which there was at least a little bit of cross-partisan consensus. I was going to say, you could maybe— I mean, so, so they finally I guess it's got, like letting the best be the enemy of yes. the good also. Like, there yes. surely were some things that everyone could agree— Yes. Would have been, you know, just oh, we should tighten this up. Which change? I mean, this, you know, there were there were bills that passed the House that had really good structural reforms in them that just died in the Senate. And so I think I think you know I blame the Democrats for not making those reforms a bigger deal. But I also think that the, you know, the sort of the the fifty fifty Senate was a real obstacle to getting that stuff done. Now of course it's fifty one forty nine, but the Democrats no longer have the House. Um, there was in the NDAA a little bit of Inspector General reform. Um, that I actually think is good, but it's such sort of a small thing yeah. compared to the rest of this. Like, I, I think it was a huge missed opportunity. And I hope it doesn't come back to you know to bite us in the in the D U M B A S S in the dumb space ass in the dumb space ass. <laughs> Uh, dumb space ass. Uh, all right, should we? Dumb should, space ass. There's should, there's some comedy in there somewhere. We should, on that note. I was comedy, gonna say there's a Robin Williams segue right there. Well, not only Robin Williams, but of course to think about dumb space ass makes you think about spaceballs. Makes you think about Mel Brooks, which uh, makes me think about the fact that. And yes, we're pivoting now to frivolity. So bye. History of the world, part two. Yes. Can you? Are you a Mel Brooks fan? I'm I am a huge Mel Brooks fan. Okay, were you surprised to realize this is going to happen? Um, I'm excited that this is apparently. Yeah, so what? A, a four or six uh, episode yeah. series on Hulu or something? I, you know, we'll see. We'll see if they can hold it. I mean, you know, you know how I feel about attempts to remake old funny things yes. like Coming to America. No, I know. I so 
uh, I guess trust in Mel Brooks, I suppose. The I uh, the little trailer they put out had some bits that it it looked right, kind of it felt like in tune. I, I will say that it's from a period of comedy and a style of comedy that I think many people assume you just kind of can't make that that degree of sometimes sometimes super crass, sometimes uh, you know offense based comedy will it be some sort of bodlerized version of history of the world part one i bet not i bet it'll be pretty good um i'm excited to see what happens there uh robin williams this can probably be pretty quick i think you're right best robin williams films you say goodwill hunting dead poet society and good morning vietnam in that order i'm totally with you on the first two dead poets and goodwill hunting fan Fantastic, and and we might we might sort of define the category a little bit, like how, yes. how central Robin Williams and his unique yes. qualities were right. to to the the film. And then there's a version. So there's a version. It's like how Robin Williamsy it is. And so you might say, so Aladdin, like Mrs. Aladdin Mrs. belongs. Aladdin, where he's like 52 different characters. Um, yeah, and Mrs. Mrs. Doubtfire. Doubtfire. Um, whereas Dead Poets, I would argue, actually, what's what part of what's amazing about both Goodwill Hunting and Dead yeah. Poets is he's not the lead. Well, but also it's like it's not like manic, hilarious, no. rotational no. Robin Williams. It's straight up great acting yes. and it's serious, and he and he portrays this incredible. He conveys this incredible sort of uh, pathos right. and right. Um, so, 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 so we have so two if, categories: if, if it's act, serious actor, Robin, actor, actor Robin Williams versus comic comedy. Robin Williams. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right, so, so Aladdin the, and Doubtfire in the in the comic category. Aladdin, Mrs. Doubtfire, and Good Morning Vietnam. Right. Yeah, I, I just don't like Good Morning Vietnam as much. Yeah. Um, and, then, so, and I would put maybe um, the, Fisher, I have the, one, the Fisher King. That's where I was going. Okay, I think I've said this on air before. I love the Fisher King. Yeah. It was a, that film, and its depiction. Part of what it depicts is the insanity of untargeted violence. As you know, that made a big impression on me. Yeah. As a young person, so yeah, I think we've got certainly. I'm with you on the top three for drama, and then I'm not so sure about Good Morning Vietnam. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're missing something big on the comedy front. I mean, so he's right. He's Teddy Roosevelt in all of the Night at the Museum movies. Yeah. Okay. Like a fine supporting role. Right. That lots of people could have probably done what he was doing there. Whereas I feel like he was unique in these other ones. Anything else jump else? out? Um, Birdcage. Yeah. The Birdcage. I mean, but the the bird. Birdcage is tricky, right? Because it's not Robin Williams comedy, right? Like it's yeah. it's it's yeah. like yeah. I mean, the Birdcage has to be somewhere on this list, but I don't know where. Can we can we depart from uh, Movie Land to just honor Mork and Mindy? Oh my God! <laughs> yes. the, and also, and and just whoever it was, it was like reading that script originally and greenlighting that project, being like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. We'll set it in Boulder, Colorado. Why not? Um, Okay. Any other last ditch entries into the Robin Williams uh, pantheon? Um, I mean, I, I'll just say I was a huge fan growing up of the comic relief specials. Oh yeah, that he just and Billy up. Crystal and Whoopi Goldberg were instrumental, I think, in spearheading. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there was a, at, at various points my dad's job. There was a lot of fundraising ties between what comic relief oh, was really? doing and some of that work. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's very um, cool. Uh, the no, I mean, the only, I, I think it's just yeah, I. He was he was he was a unique talent for sure. No, there's there's nobody quite like him. Yeah. Wasn't anybody quite like and, him. And, and I think you know, and I think Goodwill Hunting was a movie that like folks of your and my era was really sort of a profoundly generational movie for us that probably is not does doesn't hold up maybe quite as well today. Yeah, it's interesting. I haven't rewatched it in a long time. It was really impactful at the time. Yes, 
in, in part seen certain actors, you know, obviously Affleck, Damon, and Robin Williams, all of them, in, in some senses, being serious in a way that we hadn't seen before. Um, I agree. Um, yeah. And I just, I, the range, I mean, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the comic and just sort of stage and all, like the range of things you could do. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty cool. Well, I like them apples. All right. Um, that was uh, Matt Damon, not Robin Williams. You had to go see about a girl. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I know. I was oh, pivoting I over to, okay. to Matt, yeah. Um, uh, playoff prediction for this weekend? Who's, who's, who, who, who are your two championship game matchups? So, uh, of course, as, as a Cowboys fan, I would love to see the Cowboys. <laughs> Nothing better than me going into San Francisco and beating them. Um, do I think they can do it? I actually think they could because I'm not. A, I, I love the Brock Purdy story. Yeah. I think it's great. Yeah. I'm so happy for him. Uh, but at a, some point, he's going to have a bad game. Yeah, like it's and, and Micah Parsons can yeah. deliver you a bad game. Yeah, that the, the, said, the, they've got right. so right. many. They run weapons. the ball. God, they've got so many <laughs> weapons. They're so good. So I I think the Cowboys can make it close, but I don't think they're going to do it. I think the Eagles, unfortunately for you, are going to take down the Giants. Um, the Bills are all messed up, so I don't see the Bills moving on. Bills are playing Cincinnati again, right? Yeah, I, I think we get. I think what what I'd love to see is a Chiefs Bengals. If I'm if I'm right, neutral site. Yeah, that'll be kind of wild too. Although I hate it. I, Wait, know. no, no, not Chiefs Bengals. Chiefs Bills would be neutral site, not Chiefs. Chiefs Bengals. Bills, right, 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 right. right. Chiefs Bengals would not be neutral site. Would be an Arrowhead. No, no, Bengals Bills would be. They're well, they're, no, they're playing. They're playing this weekend. But it's got to be neutral site. That was the deal. If the Bills and the Bengals ran is, into is each right? other, I'm pretty sure. I thought that was only if the Bills and the Chiefs. I don't know. Or, or maybe I had that wrong. Maybe I just assumed because yeah. that's what the original matchup was. That that's yeah. the thing they were correcting. Yeah, no, no, because the Bengals. It's just records based. Yeah, I, th- I don't know. Yeah. Right. What, whatever. Yeah, whatever. We don't do research on the regular no. part of the show. We sure don't do it for the sports part. All right. So, All right. so, so who's in the AFC Championship game? Right. I, I assume you do not have the Jaguars knocking off the Chiefs. No, I think they had their moment. And I, I thought that was awesome, by the way. <laughs> so, so I was watching my, um, my brother, my, my, I don't know what you call it, my sister in law's husband, uh, Matt Myra. So, the, my, our, my sister-in-law Dory, Matt, and their their son Henry were all here this weekend, and Matt and I were watching the the Jaguars um, Chargers game. And when it was when the when the Jaguars scored to make a twenty-seven-seven right before halftime, I was like, "This game is not over. Like, yeah. Jaguars are going to win this game." Oh, you called that? Yes, that was amazing. Meanwhile, there's some yuts who bet. I saw um, that. Like $1.4 million. million at halftime. In order to get the chance to make $11,000. Yeah. Oh, folks. Don't do that. Folks. Like, that's just like, ugh. Wow. How are you so successful that you had a $1.4 million yeah, to bet, I, but so, so I, stupid that you bet it that way? I don't see the Jags continuing this run, no. although I'm, I'm happy for them and that community, which hasn't had a lot so, of success. So do you have Chiefs-Bengals as your AFC title game? Yeah, that's chalk, I know, but... No, it's not. Chiefs Bills would be chalk. Yeah, but well, I modified chalk. I modified the, the Bills look squirrely lately. Yeah. Um, so Bobby is holding is holding chalk. So I'm gonna go I, just because. Why the hell not? Giants 49ers in the <laughs> NFC Championship game. Let's go. If I have to watch some kind of Jaguars Giants Super Bowl, uh, <laughs> I mean Giants. Anybody? Do you know how preposterous it would be if the Giants somehow got to the Super? Now, mind you, I don't know that it would be that much less preposterous than the what 2007, right when they were the wild card and like had no. No, I was gonna say if anybody could do all, it, they've they've done this and they won four straight road games. It's definitely possible. I think they've got they've got the coach 
they could maybe get him there. They have a good they, coaching they just don't situation. Have, they just don't have the players. I mean, I, 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 I know, think that they, they got Saquon Barkley. When Darius, Slay, I don't know if you watched the the Giants Vikings game. Parts of it. Um, so I don't know if you saw the drop. Right. So the Giants have the ball late in the fourth quarter. They can put the game away, and it's like third and eighteen. And instead of running the ball and forcing the Vikings and and uh, for, I think what running the Vikings were out of timeouts. So instead of running the ball and. and taking 35 seconds off the clock. They actually go for it on 3rd and 18. Daniel Jones throws a seed to Darius Slayton streaking across the middle, and it literally goes in and out of Slayton's hands. That was the moment when I was sure we were going to lose. You're like, here it comes. And then there was the BS roughing the passer call on Dexter Lawrence when his hand grazed Kirk Cousins' helmet. Okay, I, I saw the replay of that, and I didn't think it was it was BS because was that the one where his hand kind of goes in towards the throat area? No, his I'm hand just slides across the side of the helmet. You know, they're so protective now, and, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, as we see, given what happened. I will just say that even non-Giants fans on Twitter <laughs> thought it was a BS roughing the passer call. messing with you. Um, okay, what else is happening in the realm of sports ball? Uh, pitchers and catchers in a month. Yeah. Um, the Carlos Correa saga, that was wild. Yes. Really I'm, wild. I'm, I'm okay with how it ended. No, I think the... I, I, like you and I are Mets fans, we would like what? nothing more than to see the Mets go back. But like, I don't love the just like whatever it takes, right. no so matter the, the what. Seven hundred million dollar infield. Come on, come on, eight hundred million dollar infield. Yeah, it, it it dilutes it dilutes my enjoyment a little bit. I also am not sure that the value over like Eduardo Escobar at third base is so one hundred percent. No, I, I think uh, like there's some red flags here. Yes, yeah. They're like guys, it's January. You can't. You're not allowed to talk about the Mets in January. All right, fair enough. Fair All right. enough. Uh, and I gotta get ready to teach class because I have. We're doing. We're doing Article Three standing in federal courts today. Well, what's there to say about that? So I, I actually, I'm doing something bold. I have ditched the Hart and Wexler treatment of Article Three standing, yeah. and I'm teaching Article Three standing just through two cases. Um, today I'm doing the student loan cases. Okay. And then Thursday I'm doing TransUnion. Too bad you couldn't pick a case, the first one, that students would be interested in right? knowing how student it turns Student loans? Out. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have a hot panel no matter who you call on. Like, it's, it's, everybody's very well. Well, I'm fascinated to see how this goes, right? Because standing often does, you know, sort students into something of ideological camps. But I wonder You think if, this might be a cross-cutting? Maybe, maybe there might be some cross-cutting. No, I think, that, I think this one will harden um, those camps. The other thing is, and TransUnion, of course, the, the lead descent is by Thomas. Right, Kavanaugh versus Thomas, which also yeah. I like. I like wrong-footing them. No, absolutely, and, and just like we were talking about with Gorsuch and, yeah. and Jackson yeah. co-authoring, which somebody commented to me, they appreciated the emphasis on like, uh, look, you cannot just assume everything true. based on what you sometimes can assume. Although I would like to retire the phrase "strange bedfellows." Strange, be- we, well, what's going to replace it? It takes something to beat something. Why? Why can't we just say Gorsuch and Jackson, Thomas and the liberals? Like, I mean, you know. Our society's discourse depends on, on cliches. We need a new cliche. Unexpected partnerships. <laughs> like this. <laughs> well, this is, well, this is not unexpected to anybody who knows this. I was going to say. All, All right. right. On that. Um, he is at Bobby Tensley. I'm at Steve underscore Vladek. We are at NSL Podcast. And apparently we're doing this like... This weekly, weekly, by bi- bi- soon to be weekly, perhaps even. Um, although I, we we each have some Tuesday complications coming up. But yeah. until next time, this is not an episode about Section Two Thirty, but it is Episode Two Thirty. Stay safe out there. Adios.